this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, please contact Nexus Church. We're going to Acts 10, and there's the story here is one of uh, uncomfortableness. There's un- stepping into the unfamiliar. There's the going above and beyond. There's the Holy Spirit doing the heavy lifting, but the call for us to go on that journey to lo- reach out to someone. There's the lives transform. It's this story in Acts 10, and it's about Peter, who's back on the radar, and this, this um, Roman centurion, Cornelius, who we haven't met yet, in the book of Acts, but he comes on the radar, and there's a shift happening here for both Cornelius and for Peter. So we're going to jump into it, and there'll be four, four observations I'm going to have out of this, but we're going to jump into it and let the story grab your attention, grab your imagination as we read through this and we look at it. So let's go, Acts 10, verse 1, and we first come to Cornelius. At Caesarea, it's a coastal town, There was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. So he commanded about 100 soldiers in the Italian Regiment there. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, spiritual men. In fact, that description there is someone who's growing up in in Italy or Italian gods, the pluralistic place. He's actually gone, I actually see something in the Jewish faith and he's become monotheistic in his worship and he's actually someone who practices the Jewish faith but not ceremonially. What does that mean? He hasn't got the snip. Let that one sit there. So he can only go to the synagogue, but he goes to the gentle part of the synagogue. He worships, and we see he's praying at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's something a Jew would do. He's God-fearing. He's on leaning in. He's, so we go, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, to the poor, and prayed to God regularly. One day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. He was praying. He had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius... Cornelius stared at him in fear, a pretty typical reaction. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering to God before God. Basically saying God sees and remembers you. Now send to Joppa, another coastal town about 50 k's away, to bring back a man named Simon who is is called Peter. He is staying at Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called to two of his servants and a devout soldier who was at one of his attendants. He told them everything that happened and sent them to Joppa. Now get this, it transitions. About noon the following day, as they were on the journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large cloth or sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as, as reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Suddenly, uh, surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or clean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. Something here for Peter is not clicking. God is pressing on something that is a wall in his heart right now, and he's trying to work it out. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. Can you see the orchestration of the Holy Spirit in the background here? 
So get, um, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come because of, from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all Jewish people. They're trying to say, hey, Peter, he's okay. I know you're a Jew. He's okay. He, he's respected. Come. Again, trying to help Peter on this journey he's on right now. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Let's go a little further on the story. Are we comfortable in our storytelling chairs right now? Yeah, okay, good. Next shift here. The next day Peter st started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, so four days after the initial vision for Cornelius, the following day he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was, um, Cornelius was expecting them. He was expecting and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up and stand up and said, Stand up, I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, but you can see Cornelius' hunger there. While talking with him, Peter went inside, found a large gathering of people. He said to them, and get this sense here of the uneasiness Peter's feeling, because this is something he's never done before. He's never walked through the door of a Gentile. You wouldn't do that, but something's happening. He says, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. But God has shown me that we should not call anyone. It wasn't about animals, his vision, that, that sheep falling down. He's realizing it's actually about people. We should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you have sent me? And Cornelius goes on and tells him the vision he had and why he sent for him. And Peter again starts to realize what, what God is doing. And he starts to share the gospel of Jesus, the good message of Jesus. And what's fascinating in verse 44, and Peter's still talking and it says this, while Peter was still speaking these words and the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, the circumcised believers, the Jewish believers who had come with Peter were astonished. Astonished. This is not a small change here. They were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even the Gentiles, the nations of the world, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit, so he ordered them to be baptized. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days, and the inference is Peter did community with them like he never had before. What a story. I know there's a few verses there, and I, and I hope you could just see the movements that are happening. You know, the first person we meet is Cornelius. He's a good man. He's a devout, God-fearing man. He's trying to live his best life. He's genuine. He's reaching out to the poor. He, he's doing all those things. And to be honest, it would be fair and easy to say to Cornelius, you're good, mate. You're good. You, you got it all right. You got it all together. You're doing well. That's how life should be left. Why would there be anything else? And I wonder, and I think about my world, and if we think about each of our worlds, the thing we know about Cornelius, what we know about Cornelius, we know about others. They're good people. They're people who are even spiritual or God-fearing in a way. They're trying to live their best life. They're kind. They're, they're gentle. They're loving. They're giving to the poor. 
Can you think of Cornelius's in your own world? What we know about Cornelius, we know about so many, and yet the angel comes to him and says, hey, you're doing well. God's even seen your gifts to the poor in your prayers. But hey, there's actually something more. There's actually a part missing in the picture. There's something more. You know, Liz and I are not really foodies. We're not really people who cook or bake very often. I don't bake. Liz will bake using her mum's recipes on occasions. But I know when you make a cake, you can put all the great ingredients in there. But if you don't have baking powder, what happens? It's flat. It's flat. You can have all the great ingredients, but without baking powder, without that thing that causes it to rise and have life in it and to be fresh and what it's meant to be, it's only one ingredient, but it makes all the difference. And the angel is saying here to Cornelius, you've got all the great ingredients. You've got all the good stuff there. You're just missing the thing that causes it to rise and have life and have energy about it and to be the complete picture. You know, I think Cornelius's of our world are actually so much closer to the kingdom than they realize. It's just this one ingredient, this one ingredient that there's actually more to everybody's life, to your and my life, and we've all been Cornelius's. Something to our life that has to be there for it to rise, for it to have that next level, to be fully what it is designed and meant to be in life. So as we get into this, I want you to be thinking, who are the Corneliuses in our world? What is God's heartbeat for them? It's like the family I just talked about, doing great things, longing to, to um, be generous around the people around them. And they're super generous people in their hearts and time. The people I met this week, this Mongolian family, they're there, they're so close. There's one ingredient So who are those people? And you know what I find interesting? Why didn't the angel, and Nathan and I were talking about this this, this week, why didn't the angel actually say, hey, you're ready, you're you're good, you're you're hungry. Like you see his enthusiasm when he has the vision and and he knows, okay, get Peter. The angel's told me to get Peter. But why didn't the angel just tell him about Jesus? Why didn't he just give him the good news there? He would have responded. He would have believed. Why wouldn't he? And I think part of the answer to that is found in what we see through the book of Acts and what we see through the Bible is actually that God values partnership and community. God values partnership. We see it with Peter at the man, with the man at the gate called Beautiful. We see it with Philip. Go south on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. You know, we see it with Philip. Say, run next to that chariot. That's a phrase we've been using lately. Run next to that chariot. This partnership in so many other times, like Ananias, when Saul's blind and, he's, and, and the Holy Spirit comes to Ananias and says, go to Saul, the one who's been persecuting, tell him all that I'm calling him to. Partnership. Partnership is so important to God. You know, um, if you're married, you will know, and I've done this before, I've said to Liz, hey, we, we should really clean those bathrooms. What do I mean by that? If you you, you might, yeah, I'm just letting that sink in. I'm not going to say it because I'm going to keep on that. Yeah, yeah. What do I mean by that? Hey, Liz, you should really clean those bathrooms. It's partnership. It's partnership. Now, God doesn't do that, 
But he does call us and he says, hey, you've got a part to play. You've got a part to play. And it's important. It's important that we play our part. And, and as we were, I was mulling on this this week, I go, man, that is such a privilege. Whenever you've journeyed with God and you see the Holy Spirit orchestrate and it suddenly all comes together and you didn't realize initially what was happening, but then oh, it all comes together and you know what I'm talking about. You go, well, God, thanks for taking me on that journey. I'm just as changed as the person who it was intended for. Thank you for taking me. It's a privilege. But at the same time, you go, God, it's a pretty poor strategy because I'm imperfect. I'm frail. That's a risky strategy. Like, seriously, that's risky. But God values partnership. And a part of the reason for that is because not only does everyone need Jesus, but we need community together. And just imagine if the angel had said, hey, given him the good news of Jesus, he's believed, and yet there's still this great divide between Jewish Christians, which up to that date, it was, Christianity was Jewish. This was the pushing out. But Christianity was Jewish. There would have been that divide. There, there had to be something that happened in the church's heart too. There had to be something, because he was calling Peter to extend the bonds of community like he never had before, so that this was for the nations. This was for everybody. Community. Why did the angel not do it? I believe it's because God values partnership. It changes us on the journey, and he values community. You actually can't know Jesus without knowing his body, knowing his community. It actually can't happen. You know, you in one sense, you could say Cornelius is like a, a modern-day Christian who listens to sermons online, who prays at home, who is a private faith, but missing community. In one sense, you could say that's, that's what a Cornelius could be today, in a sense. And the Holy Spirit is going, hey, no, don't just talk to him in his private you need to bring people together and God orchestrates and wants Peter to come with him to bring him into that community. But the challenge with that, and we turn to Peter, is actually we all carry walls that stop us from reaching out. We all carry walls. You look at Peter. This story is as much, if not more, about Peter than it is about Cornelius. You know, Peter had this sheet dropped before him three times. And it says afterwards he was pondering it. He's trying to work this thing out. What is being said here? And the sheet drops. And in a sense, it represents all of his limitations to the gospel going forward. It represents all his limitations, his perceptions, his attitudes towards other people that limit the gospel going forward. How confronting would that have been for Peter? Years and centuries of tradition, a good Jewish-minded tradition person who's trying to work out what Jesus has done and what that means and how to live that out. And now he's being challenged to actually go and walk into the door of a Gentile. Basically, all the other nations is what that means. How confronting would that be? And I have a bit of empathy for Peter right now because I know I have walls that God's just chipping away at. If I put it this way, what's on our sheets that would drop from heaven that limit the gospel? What's on our sheets? What attitude is stopping you from reaching out for that person? 
Glad we came today. <laughs> Glad we came today. You know, I think the celebration and the miracle here is actually, yes, Cornelius' salvation, but actually the church's acceptance and movement towards the nations. The power of the gospel to unite people that are different. The power there that's not based around, and we've said it before, it's not based around our gathering, it's not based around interests or hobbies or any of that. We only are here because we worship the one God, Jesus, who unites from all different backgrounds. And the reality is, is we don't have that all sorted yet. But we're leaning in. Individually, we lean in. What are those limits that you know God's chipping away at? And you just allow him a little more. And I love Peter's approach. He just ponders. He doesn't just, he ponders. And he gets a nudge of the Holy Spirit and he goes, okay, I don't quite get this, but oh, it's, it's uneasy. All right, I'm going to welcome them into my house. That was the first big gasp moment for any Jew reading this story. He welcomes those visitors who came to Joppa into his house. Never do that. Okay, one night. All right, God's doing something. All right, we'll go with them. 50K to Caesarea. Step through that door, but still a bit uneasy. Hey, you know it's unlawful, but God said something, so I'm trying to work this out. Here's the story, and then he starts to share the gospel, and then in the middle of that, the Holy Spirit just comes. Before he even finishes, there's no altar call. You could actually feel like for Peter, this is messy. This is all over the place. This is not how he expects things to be done. And yet God is in the midst of it. He's seeing signs of, of an external change. Sorry, he's seeing an internal change expressed in external praise to God by these people, Cornelius' family, speaking in tongues. It's like, well, I can't deny this. It's messing me up, but I can't deny this. And sometimes those walls are just our expectations of how things are done. Let those walls just be chipped away at. Allow God's heartbeat into your heart to just connect and to lift and to grow for those around you. Because, you know, I find it fascinating. Both had visions. Both God wanted to bring together. But neither of them knew what the other had experienced. And neither of them knew what was on the other side of stepping through that door. And that makes me think and that challenges me. We never know what's actually on the other side of that door. We never know what's on the other side of that door. You know, God is orchestrating things potentially, and we're like, we've got a little nudge, a little thought comes into the mind. Oh, what's... And we sort of can let it go, but if you just allow yourself to wonder, oh, I wonder what's on the other side of that door. I wonder, God's calling us into partnership. It's not all clear. But we and you might just be the one God is orchestrating to be the miracle working through that door. You know, at Nexus Care, we just, this year, have gone, let's lean in. God, there's a little nudge there. Let's just, okay, we, this, re, you know, this person's, probably, you know, let's just lean into it. Let's, I don't know what's happening. It's uncomfortable. There's cultural differences. We, we're trying to work this out. We're trying to do it diligently. Okay, God, what are you doing? And as you step through that door, you go, oh, okay, God, there you go. All right, what's the next little nudge? You know, Narelle, who's just brilliant on the, on the front desk with us, uh, along with volunteers, um, had a guy come in, a young guy um, from overseas, a couple months ago, or probably a month ago, and we've got to get to know him as he's come in a few times, and or Narelle has, and um, she could tell that he was just 
he wanted to say something, but he, he was hesitating in, in the interaction. And, and she just gave him the opportunity, just felt, okay, maybe, God, there's something happening here. Just felt the opportunity. And, and he says, oh, um, I want to tell you I'm, I'm going to be a dad. And Narelle says, oh, what? congratulations, fantastic, wonderful. And he says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be a good dad. And Narelle just leant into that and said, well, and gave her encouragement. I don't know exactly what she did, but gave him encouragement and said, well, you know, you, you can, you'll be good. You'll, be, you'll rise to this. I can see there's good things in you. And, and started to speak into that moment of opportunity to step through that door. Narelle will tell you that's not comfortable all the time to do. But it's just that little moment. You know, our journey can be across the street, not 50 k's to another town. Our journey can be across our cubicle. Our journey can be across our sports field, across the tee at the golfing range. Or it can be across the dining table to a family member. You know, the journey is not the thing. It's that we recognize and we allow the Holy Spirit to nudge us and to say, okay, I'm stepping outside my, my walls. I'm letting them come down and I'm leaning in to that nudge because I know, God, you have a heartbeat for this person. I know you have a heartbeat for this person. We could be the miracle walking through the door that God has orchestrated. And that can challenge us because, and please don't hear this like we've got to be better. We say it's not be better. It's like God calls us to partnership and yet there's, there is a responsibility God, I'm sure we'll find other ways to reach people if I didn't step out. But man, why wouldn't I want to be on that journey? Why wouldn't I be that first responder, as it were, that God's nudging? So here's the challenge. If you feel prompted to make that call, do it. Yeah, if we feel prompted to go take something to a person's house or to, to have that encouraging word or the prompt is to be present more than ever before in that person's life, we better well do it. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. You get the difference here between works and partnering with God. So let's pray. Now, as Pastor Nathan shared, we believe that God is softening our hearts. He's making us aware maybe like never before, to his heartbeat. So we just let the Holy Spirit continue to do his work. We thank you, God, that you're here. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're at work. We thank you that you are calling us to rise and you're shaping us to be a community that is reaching out more than ever before. Lord, reveal to us who those Corneliuses are in our life that we haven't seen before. Right now, drop some names into our hearts. Those we haven't seen in that way. Lord, help us to be aware and even speak to us now of the walls and attitudes and perceptions we have maybe to others that need to come down just that little more to extend the bond of community to their life. Lord, speak to us about the nudges, the, the steps you want us to take, the call, the, the, the word to share, the, the presence to be with. Lord, speak to us now.
for each of us individually what that is. Holy Spirit, connect your heartbeat like never before with ours, we pray.